Amen. What a great song. I hope you wake up singing that tomorrow because that's a wonderful song and a wonderful thought. If you just think that tomorrow, you wake up singing that. And, uh, and man, maybe you could be a blessing to somebody. And what, well, I tell you what, the world needs more blessings. Amen. Uh, they need more people with smiles and, and the joy of the Lord. And what a great, great song that was. I haven't sung that in ages. I, I, don't, I don't know the last time I heard it, to be honest with you. I know it, but it's been a while. And a great song. Psalm chapter number three. Psalm chapter number three this evening. And uh, this is the first psalm with a title attached to it. And you'll notice maybe in fine print or maybe it's included right in verse number one uh, of your Bible. But it, it says, mine's kind of a subtitle underneath the psalm chapter three and before verse number one. It says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. And uh, many of the Psalms bear these titles, uh, which are, are believed to be historic and reference uh, a time frame uh, when and where they were written. And so this Psalm is believed to be uh, written and it fits as David was fleeing from Absalom. You remember his son Absalom had, uh, had kind of gotten a foothold in the kingdom and, uh, and before long he was setting up a, a conspiracy to completely take over the kingdom and, and his father David had to flee the kingdom and, and he left. Uh, and so uh, it was quite a time that David wrote this psalm. And so let's read this, Psalm chapter number 3, and uh, we'll start there in verse number 1. The Bible says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, and the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheek bone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. And let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the privilege that we have to gather in your house. God, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch and encourage and strengthen each heart and each listener. And God, I pray that you would just bless and, uh, and help us to, uh, as we look at this, Father, help our hearts to be encouraged. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. And God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this psalm, it is a psalm of prayer, really, in which uh, we gain exclusive insight uh, into David and into his mind and into his thoughts as he is being uh, run out of his country. And just think of this for a minute. Imagine the betrayal and imagine the questions that David must have had as his son to attempts, uh, attempts to snatch the throne right out from under him. I mean, that's a, uh, that is, that is a, a, a storyline out of any great movie or out of any great book. Uh, it, and it's right here in the greatest book, amen, uh, that, that, that we have in the Bible. 
And if you look at 2 Samuel, we'll not go there, but it is recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 15. And it covers David being betrayed by Absalom and how Absalom started to set that up and how David actually fled. And if you read it, you'll find that David had to pass over the brook Kidron to take refuge in the wilderness. And I thought, well, this is nothing strange for David. When Saul was after David, he did take refuge in the wilderness for quite some time. But a lot of water has gone under the bridge. And David is not as young as he used to be. And so this is a very difficult time in David's life. Physically, he's just not uh, the same as when he was a young man. And so uh, it's interesting to look at that. But I want you to notice as well, this is a, uh, something that's, that's interesting. David's actions parallel and foreshadow that of Jesus Christ. It's interesting. The book, Brook Kidron, is only mentioned one time in the New Testament, and it's not called Kidron, K I D R O N. Uh, it's, it's called Cedron, C E D R O N. And a lot of times, don't ask me why, but names do not translate well from one language to another. So in the Hebrew is the Old Testament, and in the Greek is the New Testament. I'll give you a, just a quick example of that in Spanish. Uh, the name William um, translates to Guillermo. Don't ask me why. It's quite a, quite a unique translation, and it's quite different. Well, many names will re resemble another one. For example, uh, Daniel in English is Daniel in Spanish, so it's pretty much the same. You can recognize it from one language to another, but, uh, but some names just simply do not translate well, and, uh, and they're far different. So, uh, Cedron is that, but I want you to, I don't want to get lost in the names, but, uh, but if you think about this, David's life parallels and is a foreshadowing of that of Jesus Christ because David has a conspiracy and his kingdom is about to be overthrown and, uh, and he's about to be betrayed uh, and he crosses over the Brook Kidron. And in John chapter number 18 and verse number 1, the Bible says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Cedron, uh, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. And we all know what took place in that garden. That's John chapter 18. It's close to the end of the book of John. So you can guess what's about to take place is that Judas is about to betray. And Judas is busy working a conspiratorial plot against Jesus Christ uh, while Jesus is crossing over that brook Cedron uh, just as David had crossed over that brook Cedron when Absalom was, was uh, plotting to take over uh, in, in for David. And so uh, we find that there's an there's interesting thing there. You can look at it yourself and study it out. I'm sure there's a lot more to that, but I just want to throw that out there. Um, and I want to look at this psalm tonight. And as we look at it, I want you to think of this. This is kind of a blessing. You can always find somebody in worse shape than yourself. And that's a blessing. You know, when you go through a problem, uh, boy, you're looking at this and you're focused at this and, man, this is the problem. And, and somehow everywhere you look, all you can see is that one problem. And it's good to get our eyes off and focus. And, and sometimes they say, they say that you can always find somebody in worse shape than yourself. And that's encouraging because uh, then you're like, man, well, I guess I'm not as bad as that guy. 
And, uh, and, and I don't know what that does for the guy in the bottom rung, but, uh, but for the majority of us, uh, we're not anywhere near the position that David is. I mean, David was king, and, and he's being overthrown by his son. And he has to leave the kingdom. And there's a lot of hardship. We're talking, uh, we're talking physical that, that he could very well be killed. And, uh, and so there's a great hardship that David is going through. And I want us to look at verses 1 and 2 as David's trial. The Bible says there, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? And I want you to notice the surprise of the betrayal. I mean, if you go back and you were to read uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15 and, uh, and read how Absalom did it, he was very crafty about it. I mean, he went and sat by the gate and he started grabbing everyone that would have a problem and, and he would start solving their problem and, and not allowing them to get to David. And he was building a rapport with the people so that the people would look up to him and say, wow, this guy's wise and this guy's good and this guy's kingly material. And he was setting himself up and it came as a great surprise of betrayal to David. That's why he says there in verse 1, how are they increased that trouble me? It was a shock. It was something unexpected to David. It was something that he did not see coming, uh, being, being as close to him as his son that would even betray him. Not only that, uh, but the surprise of how many there were. Look at what he says there. How are they increased that trouble me? And, uh, and he says there in verse number two, many there be which say to my soul, um, no, go back to verse, uh, the second part of verse number one, many are they that rise up against me. And the enemies had multiplied themselves against David while he was sitting on the throne. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 15 and verse 12, uh, it says, and the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. And Absalom was busy and he was moving the people and he was talking with the people and he was secretly gathering a, a group of people that would follow Absalom and no longer be loyal to David. And so you can see the surprise as David uh, is all of a sudden unseated from his throne and he's, he's advised, hey, you need to leave, you got to get out of here. And he's surprised by that betrayal. Not only was he surprised, but I want you to notice the sting of that betrayal. There's nothing that stings like that of being betrayed by somebody that is close to you. And, and in this case, it was David's own family. And it was his own son. Uh, probably a son that he very well would have chosen to be king. I mean, uh, he did think very highly of Absalom. But, but yet, uh, to have it done like this, uh, it was very hurtful for David. And not only the, the family of Absalom, but also the friends. There were those who had turned against David and now were aligned themselves with Absalom. And so family, friends, uh, even followers. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 15, 11, uh, the last phrase of that, well, I'll just read the whole verse, and with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. That's kind of an amazing verse, to be honest with you. Uh, that's 2 Samuel 15, 11. They knew not anything. 200 men that were, were man, this Absalom's a good guy. They, don't, they were not aware that there was an overthrowing about to take place. 
they were just thinking, well, maybe this Absalom, maybe he's a good general, you know, or, or something of that nature. They weren't intending to be disloyal. Uh, but, it, but the family, Absalom, had betrayed him. Friends had betrayed him. Some followers that didn't know anything that was going on, just kind of, well, here's a good crowd, let's jump in with this. And, and they also had betrayed David, though they didn't really know what was going on. So we see the surprise, we see the sting of the betrayal, but I want you to notice the strength of the betrayal as well. 1 Samuel 15, 12, the Bible says, and the conspiracy was strong, and it caused David to, uh, to gather his most loyal followers and to flee. I mean, this was a serious ordeal. This was not something that he would just squash with his thumb. This had already gotten out of control, and it was a problem to David. You say, man, that's, that's, a, that's a rough position. I told you, there's somebody worse off than us. We can look to him. Uh, David was in a very bad spot. Uh, and the surprise of the betrayal, the sting, the strength of the betrayal. Look with me at verse number 2. And I want you to notice the sayings of the betrayal. Look with me at verse number 2. Many there be which say of my soul. This is David talking and he's praying to the Lord. And he's telling the Lord, look, at this is what they're saying, Lord. He says, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Wow. That's pretty strong. I was talking to my son the other day and, and we were talking about Bible and he was asking me questions and, and questions I didn't know about. And so I, I said, well, I don't know. And, and, uh, and, he, and he was throwing some verses at me and I said, well, I do know this. I said, and I gave him this verse in Psalm 3 too. I said, I said, there's some verses that you just don't quote. And this is one of them. You don't quote Psalm 3 2 B. There is no help for him in God. Um, that's not really a verse you want to quote because not everything that's recorded in Scripture, it has to have context. And this is what his enemies are saying. So it's not a verse you want to you know, put on a sign and hang up in your wall in your house, all right? Uh, it's not one of those kind of verses. Uh, it's a verse that is quoting his enemies. And look at the outlandish saying that they are saying against him. It says, there is no help for him in God. Uh, let me deal with the word selah for a moment. That word selah, we don't really know what it, what it means, but the majority of the people agree uh, that it's probably a pause for music, uh, maybe a full stop. Now, now, I want you to think of this in verse number two. Let's read it again, and I want you to think of this. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, selah. And what are you doing? You're pausing. And you're thinking about that thought he just said. And you're saying, this is what they're saying about me. That, that, that I have no help in God and that God will not help me. Uh, it, it is amazing what people will say. And so I think that Selah is there as a break to help uh, focus and, and say, what, look at what just took place. And it's a hard break there. And, and, and people will lie and people will slander and people will rip, misrepresent. And it's, it's absolutely crazy that they would say of David, hey, God's not going to help him. You know, they're, I mean, they're, they're busy spreading rumors and, and the groups with Absalom, hey, God's no longer with, with David. And, and David's not, man, he's nothing. You know, God's not going to help him. And, and look at the, the outlandish things that, that people will say. And, and it's quite amazing. Um, and, and listen, uh, there's two warnings we can have. One, be careful about the things you hear. People say some of the most outlandish things. When I hear something outlandish, I'm like, yeah, 
Probably not true. Probably one-eighth of it might be true. Maybe, maybe a tenth of it. There, there's always a little bit of truth, but the majority of it is just, man, it got changed down the line. If, we, if you ever play that phone, Telephone, uh, that game Telephone, as a kid, you know, you pass the message around, and, and boy, it gets back, and it's completely different from what it started. That's just true in life. That's the way it goes. People talk, and, and they mishear, and then they say something else. That, uh, in my family, all the time when we have our whole family together, uh, I, I crack up because somebody will say something, and somebody will hear part of it, and they'll start another conversation on that while this conversation continues to go, and I just kind of sit back and observe because it's really funny, and these people don't they got it all messed up of what the conversation originally was. And it happens all the time. And here these people are just spewing uh, useless, outlandish information. So we need to be careful about the things we hear. Then number two, we need to not be a part of the gossip crowd. Um, And that's really what was going on because they were saying there is no help for him in God. And that's what David, David's crying out to God. He's saying, look, this, this is what they're saying about me. That's crazy. And so we see David's trial. As he goes through all of this, and, and just imagine his thoughts as he, uh, as he would have uh, been thinking about all these things. I want you to notice in verses 3 and 4, David's trust. Now, in verses 1 and 2, really, he's crying out to God, and he's, he's, you can sense his, uh, his hurt. You can sense his uh, concern about everything that's going on. You can sense that he is in a, a serious trial that a large number of people have have come against him. But as he thinks about that, and as all of those flood David's mind, as he's fleeing his own castle and fleeing his own city, I could just imagine that first night as he would try to bed himself down and his mind is just reeling over everything that's just taken place. And I could just picture David just not being able to sleep, to be honest with you. Not that he didn't sleep, we'll see that in our text that he did, but, but I imagine just trying to get to sleep, he's, he's like, how did all these people come together against me? When did all this take place? What in the world is going on as he's thinking about everything and, and the fact that he's leaving? And look with me at verse number three, his thoughts are, are turned away from his trial and towards God. He says there in verse number three, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. Verse number three, you see David's assurance in God. As he turns from the problem and he's focusing on the problem and he's, he's, he's overwhelmed with the trial that he's facing and he turns his attention to God and he, and he totally lifts up God. He says, but thou... O Lord, art a shield for me. Can I tell you this? David had a history with God. And it didn't start with Goliath. It went back way before Goliath, when David was a shepherd boy. And you remember, before he ever attacked Goliath, uh, he he told Saul the king, he said, listen, when I was a shepherd in the fields, a lion came and, and, and tried to get one of my dad's sheep. And man, I, and the Lord saved me and delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. 
He said another time uh, that a bear came and tried to get one of those sheep and the Lord delivered me from the mouth of the bear. And he rescued those sheep. And what I'm saying is David looked to the past victories in his life and he's saying in verse number 3, look at what he says, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Hey, he shielded him from that lion. He shielded him from that bear. He shielded him from Goliath, which is quite... Go back to your Sunday school days. It's an amazing story. A guy that's three times as tall as this little kid, basically, and, and, and God gave him the victory, and, and David made no bones about it. It was God that did it, and David was very aware of that. And so God has been a shield in the life of David Time and time again, you can read countless times in the Psalm, Psalm 18 too, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower, Psalm 62, 7, in God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. I just grabbed two verses. You could, you could grab psalm after psalm after psalm after psalm where David says, listen, my rock, my fortress, my shield, my deliverer, my salvation is all wrapped up in God. And he turns to that very thought at this moment when he's in the midst of this trial and he's fleeing and, and he's saying, you know what? God, he said, you are my shield. He goes on and he says, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. David reminded himself of his history with God and how many times God had blessed him, but David reminded himself also of God. And listen, sometimes we need to remind ourselves that God is so much bigger. God is so much stronger. And, and, any, and, and I, I don't mean this by any stretch of the imagination to belittle any problem that you're going through. But can I tell you this? Any problem you are going through is, is small when you stack it up to God. You go back through and read all the Bible accounts. You read of real life accounts of men and women whose lives were, were at stake. And they trusted God and God delivered and God took care of them and God was there for them. So David, uh, his trust, his assurance is placed squarely in God. Look at what he says as he makes an appeal to God in verse number four. He said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. Again, that word. And He pauses. Hey, he's saying, listen, I cried unto God. Hey, David knew that there was hope in God. It didn't matter what the people were saying. That there was, they, They'd say, well, there's no hope for God and, and David. David says, you know what? I'm making my appeal to God. I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to pray to God. And I, I'm going to talk to God because how many times he delivered me and how many times he helped me and he can do it. And David made appeal to God as his only hope. David didn't have a plan B. David didn't have plan C. He said, God, you are my refuge. God, you are my salvation. God, you are the one that I'm trusting in. And we see David's trust in verses 3 and 4. We see David's trial in verses 1 and 2. I want you to notice David's triumph in verse number 5. I love this. In verse 5, he says, I laid me down and slept. Man, what a, what a great verse. 
He has the problem in verses 1 and 2. He makes his appeal in verses 3 and 4. And verse 5, he's like, well, I've done turned it over to the Lord. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bed. Lays his head down. And he says, God, it's yours. I'm not going to continue to worry about it. I'm not going to continue to fret about it. I'm not going to continue to think about it. I'm going to leave it for you. Sometimes that is the hardest thing to do. I mean, we get... Sometimes uh, I've had difficulties and I've had problems and I just lay in bed and I think, what about this? What if I do this? What if I do that? What if I do that? And I think, you know what? I just want to give it to the Lord and forget about it. And, and then my mind starts thinking, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? And, and my, my mind again says, you know what? Just leave it to the Lord. I kind of argue with myself, but sometimes that's hard to do just to set it aside and given the circumstance of David, but that is exactly what he does. And look at, notice his vision there in verse number five and six. He said, I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. He said, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about. Now, David was a warrior. David was a man of war. David knew what it was to have men surround him. David knew what it was to go into battle with a sword and, and kill other people uh, or, and, and, and keep an eye on his back as well so that somebody didn't kill him from behind. And here he is, he's saying, you know what I did? I laid my head down and I slept and I awoke in the morning and he says this, verse number six, I will not be afraid. And he says, though ten thousands would compass me about. He didn't say compass me about. He said, uh, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Basically that, man, if I'm surrounded by ten thousand people, hey, I'm still going to trust in God. It's not my strength. It's not my ability with a sword. It's not my ability with a watchful eye to be able to see his vision is wholly placed in God and that God alone would, uh, would take care of David. And we see that ever so clearly in this verse. I was reminded of the verse Philippians 4, 7, and the Bible says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a great verse. That, shall, that the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds. Boy, we're so prone to dwell on those things. We're so prone to worry about things. We need to give it to God, which is way easier said than done. I realize that, but I want you to notice that David rested in that great truth, that God would take care of him, and that he saw God as his, uh, as his shield and as his buckler, and, and that would protect him while he rested, and uh, that he would sustain him. Look at the victory that, that comes out in verse number 7. He says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbones. I love how David references a past. He said, he said, thou hast. In other words, hey, this has happened time and time again. You know how many battles? We, we don't even have the battles that are recorded that David was in. 
we know that he was, the Bible calls him a bloody man of war. That's why God wouldn't allow him to build the temple. And so he was a, a man that had been very involved in battles and wars. And, and he went out to battle many a time and, and, uh, and conquered many of things. And, and here he is, he's saying, hey, uh, that, that it was not me, it was not my strength. And he's deflecting all of the glory to God. Boy, that's what we need today. People who will just deflect the glory and say, you know what? It's God. God does it all through me. It doesn't matter. Listen, we're talking about battles. We're talking about war. We're talking about uh, standing up uh, for, for his country. And, and, and listen, it doesn't matter what we do. If we would deflect everything good in our life to God and say, hey, it's God that does those things in my life. It's God that enables me to help people. It's God that enables me to fix a car. It's God that enables me to bake bread. It's God that enables me to, to win a victory. It's God that enables me to do this and deflect all the glory to God. That's really what David is doing. He says, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. In verse number eight, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. There's victory there. What a great truth. We have to realize that we're powerless to overcome, but God is powerful. I love the, the second phrase in that verse 8. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Boy, we, we need to realize that, that God's blessing is upon us. And, and, and listen, the heathen, we, we get so worried about the heathen. We get so worried about the the lost and the direction they're going. Listen, God's blessing is on us. I will never forget this story. I'll tell you a missionary story. I love missionary stories. This is not me. This is in Africa. And, um, and this missionary, uh, he, was, uh, he was getting on a bus. And he was traveling. He was going to go preach out in the bush. And he got on that bus. And I, I, I think when he got on the bus, he said, uh, he asked the bus driver, he said, would it be okay if I pray uh, for our bus trip out loud? And, uh, and I think, I can't remember what happened exactly, but the long and short of it is he got thrown off the bus just for asking to pray for the bus. And, uh, and so as he got thrown off the bus, uh, he stood outside of the bus and he prayed that that bus would not make it to its destination, that they would not have a good trip, that things would not go well, and that they would have problems during that trip. And while he's praying... The, they stopped. I mean, everything on the bus stopped. They said, no, 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 get, get back on the bus and pray for us that everything will go well. And they got him back on the bus and, uh, and they said, we want you to ride with us and we want you to pray for this trip. I never forget he was a character that, that did that. But, but listen, in reality, God's blessing is on us. The righteous, those who are doing right, those that are, are walking with the Lord. And, and, and listen, that ought to be a fearful thing to the world, but it's really not because they don't even comprehend those things. But le listen, we as Christians, we ought to realize, hey, God's blessing is on us. And, uh, and just by virtue, I've said this a few times, uh, that, that hey, we're here and we're going forward. Hey, we have the potential of seeing God's blessing expanded in Maslin, Ohio. God's blessing in, in, our, in the state of Ohio and God's blessing uh, here. And I say that, say, hey, as long as we're here and as long as we're living and as long as we're breathing and as long as we're serving the Lord, hey, there is hope. Once we're pulled out of here, man, I, I don't know that there's hope. 
Uh, if there's nobody that's serving the Lord, and there's nobody that's following God, then there's a real problem. But as long as there are people following the Lord and, and, and serving the Lord, hey, there is hope. And so we see David's triumph, and he proclaims, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. What a great triumph David has in the end of his prayer. As we think about these three things, first thing I want us to notice is don't be discouraged by your trials. Hey, trials will come. And you know what? I am with you. Sometimes I look at them and I get discouraged and I think, man, I don't know how we're going to get through them. David looked at them and he said, man, that is, uh, I don't even know where this came from. It just kind of popped up out of nowhere. But then he quickly uh, turns and puts his trust in the Lord. We're reminded over and over, boy, how we need to put our trust in the Lord. Sometimes it's easier to trust the Lord with all of eternity. And we say, well, when I die, I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. We trust the Lord with that. But we don't trust him with tomorrow. We say, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through tomorrow. And, and, and really, it's, we need to learn to trust the Lord. And then listen, triumph in God. What a blessing to know that we have a triumph Go with me to 2 Corinthians. I want to show you this verse. I love this verse. It's a blessing. And I hope, pray, it'll be a help to you. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse number 14. We'll close with this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 14. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. Sometimes we think, well, it's not looking good. Hey, listen, God causes us to triumph in Christ. And we, we sing that song, the teenagers sing that song, we're on the winning side. Hey, we are on the winning side. And we will triumph in Christ. Oh, oh, things might not always go our way. Things might not always turn out how we think they are, ought to turn out. But in the end, in all reality, hey, we triumph in Christ. And we can win in Christ. And David had triumph. He had victory in Christ uh, in saying, you know what? He got victory that day. It, I don't think this psalm was written later after he got back. I think that first night that he fled out, you look at it and he says, man, well, how did this come about? But then he turns his focus to God. And I could just see David with his little journal. I don't know if David was died. He must have had a journal or something because he wrote these things down and he's got scores of psalms that he recorded. And I could just see him sitting there by the fire and thinking, you know what? Salvation belongeth to the Lord. And in the end, I don't have to worry about things. And, and things may or may not turn out how I want them to, but in the end, I'm going to win because I'm on the Lord's side. What a blessing that psalm is. We see the trial, we see the trust, we see the triumph, and, uh, and what a blessing. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, may we find triumph in our trials by trusting in the Lord. Father, we thank you. For your goodness to us, thank you for the encouragement in the psalm. God, your blessing on David's life. God, what a, what, a, what a blessing to us here on a Wednesday night to look into the psalm, look into the past of when David went through a great trial. God, may we be encouraged to know that 
God, you're still the God, same God as David served. And we have so many more promises that you've given us than David even had. God, I thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd help us to rejoice in the triumph that we have because salvation belongeth to the Lord. God, what a joy. I pray that you'd bless and encourage and strengthen each and every person. And God, I ask all of this in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, maybe you just want to thank God for the victory. Maybe you want to trust him and say, God, I, I am struggling with that. And, and I want your help and I want your strength. Whatever the need, the altar's open.